So about a year ago, I had a great idea. I, I just felt moved to let people know that we're praying for them. I think that's important. I think we ought to let people know we're praying for them. And, and I wanted people in our community to know that we were praying for them. We were committed to praying for our community. I wanted people to know that we're committed to praying for our school. I mean, that is very important. I think that's vital that those kids know that we're praying for them, that we be praying for them. And so I wanted to find a way to let people know we were praying for them. And I put this little graphic together. I took a picture of the school and above the school in purple because I'm old and I know that if it's Kansas, it's purple, right? Yeah, go Bulldogs, Bulldog forever, right? Uh, so above the picture of the school, I wrote, pray for Kansas. And I posted that online just thinking people are going to get the idea. We're praying for Kansas. We are committed to praying for Kansas. Looking back, I should have known what was going to happen. Because what happened immediately were responses from people who are part of our community but now live far away. And what they saw, what they responded with when they saw Pray for Kansas, their response was, Oh no! What's wrong? What's happened not in Kansas? What's the news? I haven't heard what's happening in Kansas. And I responded, nothing's happened. I just, we ought to pray. We ought to be praying for our neighbors. We ought to be praying for our community. And they said, well, yeah, I guess that's right. We, we probably should. But I wrote, pray for Kansas. Pray every day for Kansas. Pray continually for Kansas. And what they heard was, pray for Columbine. Pray for Sandy Hook. Pray for Las Vegas. Pray for the wildfires in California. Pray for the tornadoes in Alabama. Pray for Joplin. Pray for the urgents. And I guess that's understandable because that's what we have made prayer to be. That's what prayer has become. But in, in prayer becoming only about the urgent, we have lost the gift. We have lost the blessing. We have lost the commitment to regular, sustaining prayer. Prayer that says no matter what is happening, no matter what is happening in that moment, whether it be blessing or whether it be some time of, of pain, we are praying. Prayer that isn't driven by bad news and tragedy because you know as if prayer is driven by bad news and tragedy, as soon as that leaves the news cycle, we, we stop praying. We stop praying for that situation. Prayer that isn't driven by bad news or tragedy, but by love and by mutual concern and mutual commitment to Christ. We've lost that. We've lost the kind of prayer that sustained and propelled the early church. Prayers like the ones that the Apostle Paul prayed. We're going to look at Paul's prayer for the Ephesian church in chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15-23. through 23. It is on page 976 in your Bibles in front of you. You can follow along if you've got the Version app or if you brought your own Bible, even better. I remember after that horrible shooting at the church in Texas. After that, that just I mean, that wiped me out. That devastated me. I went home and, and saw the news and it was awful. But I remember after that shooting at the church in Texas, we prayed. And we, we posted online like we do. And we posted, pray for Sutherland Springs. That was, that was the post. That's when the backlash began. If you look at it, that's, that was when the backlash began. Because when people heard thoughts and prayers 
thoughts and prayers, hashtag thoughts and prayers, when they heard that, the response was, do something. Why is it just thoughts and prayers? Those are empty platitudes. Why don't you do something? One pastor at that time even said that that phrase, thoughts and prayers, he called it utterly useless. But I wonder how much of that backlash is from us only talking about prayer in tragic circumstances. Only calling attention to prayer when something tragic happens and not talking about prayer as Paul does here. Regular, sustaining commitment day in and day out to pray. And again, I'm afraid we've forgotten how to do that. As our prayers have been motivated by the urgent, we've forgotten that commitment to day in, day out prayer as part of the life of the church. To seek God's daily blessing as we seek to serve Him daily. And somehow we need to recapture that. It is essential for us to recapture that. It is essential for our life and our service. It is essential to the life and the future of of the church. Our commitment to pray for the church is a reflection of our commitment to God's call for the church. As we understand our call, we will know to pray. And so I think there's a lot that we can learn from Paul's prayer for the Ephesian church. And there's a lot that we can put into practice for our own church. I I think it's important that as we pray, we begin where Paul begins. We begin our prayer the way Paul begins, and we begin by seeing that prayer starts with thanksgiving. And as much as we have turned prayer into just the urgent, look at what we've done to the word thanksgiving. Look at what we have made thanksgiving all about. Thanksgiving, prayer is only about the urgent now. When something bad, something bad happens, we, we commit to prayer. But, but Thanksgiving is about food and November. We, we did that in November. We gave thanks in November. Uh, Thanksgiving is about football. Thanksgiving is about a, a Thursday off and then you go shopping on, on Friday. Thanksgiving is about, well, it's, it's about more food if you ask me. But what the Bible presents when you say thanksgiving, when you say thankfulness, when you say thanks in the Bible, it's a continual commitment. It's not a holiday. And it's not just reserved for when things are going well. Thanksgiving does not just happen when things are going well. It's not just, oh, thank God there was no shooting today. Thank God our community is fine today. Thanksgiving is a day in and day out commitment to seek God's very best. And that's how Paul begins his prayer. He begins with an expression of thankfulness. He begins in verse 15, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. For this reason, for this reason, if you back up and read all of what Paul has written so far in Ephesians, for this reason, because of who I have told you that you are in Christ, because you are chosen in Christ, because you have been adopted as God's children, because you have been called to His purpose, because you have been lavished with His grace, because you have been united with Christ and united in His plan to unite all things under heaven and earth in Him, because you are part of that, and because of everything you are actually doing, the way you're actually living that out, Paul says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I do not cease to give thanks for you. You know, a more correct way to word that, the more correct wording would be, I have not quit giving thanks for you. I have not quit giving thanks for you. 
Because thanksgiving is not about what they've done, but about what God is doing and what God will continue to do. I did not quit giving thanks for you. Man, we need to hear that. We give up way too quick. We give up on thankfulness way too quick. We give up on other people too quick. We see someone struggling with an addiction. And they they struggle with that addiction. And and suddenly they're, they're clean and sober. And they're clean and sober for a month. And we're like, oh, thank God. Thank God they are, they're doing so much better. But as soon as they fall off the wagon, our Thanksgiving falls off the wagon with them. We, we give up. But because we have turned Thanksgiving in, into what we want and what we want to see. We've made Thanksgiving about, about our needs and our, our expectations. And when our wants aren't met and our expectations aren't fulfilled, we stop giving thanks. Because we put our eyes on what we want instead of what God is continuing to do. What God has been doing and what He has promised to continue to do. Thanksgiving is a commitment. It's not just a reaction to what we see happening. Thanksgiving is faith. And if if it's faith, it can't be about sight, right? Faith is not sight. If it's faith, it can't be about sight. It has to be about trust, which means we need to give thanks even when we don't have what we need. What we lack should never hinder our thankfulness for what we have. There's times when we quit. We quit on Thanksgiving. We quit on each other. We'll quit on the church. We'll quit on each other. We'll quit on ourselves. We'll quit on God. Don't quit. Don't give up thankfulness. Don't give up thanksgiving. And so Paul, Paul's prayer begins with thankfulness. And from there it continues in the same way that our prayers should continue. And that is that prayer calls us to grow in the ways that we know God. In other words, there's, there's a point to our prayers. There's a point to our prayer. Our prayer is not just an emergency. Prayer is not just an emergency call to God. God, please help me with this. Prayer is also not static. And so many of our prayers are are static prayers that don't really do anything. We might pray, God, bless all the missionaries. Or God, just just bless the church. What, What are we asking? What are we asking Him to do? But instead, there's focus to our prayers. There's a point to our prayers. Prayers that desire to see growth in us, growth in the church. Not just growth in numbers, but growth in depth. Growth in the way that we love God and growth in the way that we know God. And so Paul prays. Picking up in verse 17, he says there, he says, remembering you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which He has called you, what are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of His power toward us who believe according to the working of His great might, which He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places. That is one sentence in the Greek. In fact, the entire prayer in the original Greek is one long run-on sentence. He just throws it all out there. It's a matter of of excitement. It's, It's as though Paul has lost the ability to hold anything back and he lets it all out. I've been working with the PERKS program. Steve and, and Camille and, and Carol and a few others of you work with the PERKS program. We mentor little kids. I'm having a great time doing it. I have a great time getting together with this kid. I, I've been mentoring this 
Seven-year-old kid. He kind of reminds me of Jack, Amy. He's just kind of everywhere. And I've been mentoring this seven-year-old kid, which means I have to talk to a seven-year-old boy. Now, i got to point something out. I've never really talked to a seven-year-old boy before. When Connor was seven, Connor didn't talk. And so I meet with this kid, and we, we talk, and sometimes he gets excited. And when he gets excited, he starts telling me stories, and there are details, and, the, and it all just runs together. And, all, and I finally had to ask someone, is this normal? <laughs> and they said, yeah, that's, that's a seven-year-old boy. That's normal. There is nothing you can do about it. That is how they are. And you know, that's just the way they are. And so, so that's how he is. His stories, the details, they just run together and get excited. And that's what Paul is doing with prayer here. Now, not out of urgency, mind you, but out of excitement. In the Greek, it's 169 words without a breath. Without a pause, without so much as a comma, in one single breath, he just throws it all out there. And so what's he praying for? Well, in verse 17, he prays for wisdom and revelation, that we would have a deeper knowledge of God. Knowledge that comes beyond our own abilities or beyond our own insight, but knowledge that requires the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And his prayer is about more than just what the Ephesians are going through at that moment. He prays in verse 18 that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. And verse 19, that you may know God's immeasurable greatness of his power towards us. Now, now that's a far cry from the prayers that we've prayed already today. And we've prayed some important prayers. We've prayed important prayers for people to be healed, for people to be whole. We've prayed for people uh, to, to, to be comforted in their losses. And we've prayed for people to be, to be restored. And, but that's a far cry from what Paul is praying about here. His prayer looks beyond who we are today and, and what we have today and looks ahead to something greater, a greater hope, a, a greater power, as God is revealed to us in, in greater ways. Our prayers need to move beyond just, just our needs for today. There's no vision in just praying for what we need today. Our prayers need to be about what's next. What happens when we go deeper? What happens when we trust God for a tomorrow in Kansas, Illinois, where honestly a lot of people don't see a tomorrow in Kansas, Illinois? What happens when we trust God for hope and the, and the power that we need then? And ultimately, what, what Paul's prayer shows us is that our prayers need to be less about what we want and more about how we submit to God and, and His plan for us and His plan for His church. Prayer calls us to submit to God's plan for His church. And again, it's, it is impossible to divide these verses up in, in Paul's one run-on sentence prayer, but he, he wraps his prayer up and he prays according to the working of His great might that He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And He put all things under His feet and gave Him as head over all things to the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him who fills all in all. The end of the prayer is a reminder of Jesus' authority. His authority over us. His authority over the church. His authority over all creation. 
all things are under His feet and that He is the head over all things. And so if we are to have any hope, if we are to have any power, if we are to have any wisdom, it's going to be found in Christ who fills all in all. Now that, that was a vital message for Christians who were living in Ephesus. You realize that city, that town that they lived in, that, that city, the, the world that they lived in, their city, Ephesus, was ground zero for worship of the goddess Artemis. That was, that was the focus of their city. They worshiped the goddess Artemis. Artemis was a fertility goddess. That entire city's reputation, that entire city's wealth and industry and tourism and fame was built around sex. And then, on, on top of that, Ephesus is part of the Roman Empire they, where they worshipped Caesar as God. Where Caesar was seen as the Son of God. Caesar was seen as the ultimate authority and that all things were under Caesar's feet. And yet in this prayer, Paul says, you don't submit to the things other people submit to. You don't make your life about the things that other people around you make their lives about. You don't submit to the things that other people submit to. You don't look for your fulfillment. You don't look for your identity. You don't look for your hope from any other source because everything that you need comes from Jesus Christ. He is your all in all. He is over all. Man, do we need a prayer like that today? We need a prayer like that in our world? I mean, can, can you imagine a society completely driven by passion and completely driven by sex? I don't know what that's like. There are voices all around us that are calling for us to submit. Submit to this power. Submit to, to this plan. Submit to this lifestyle. Submit to this government service. Submit to this political party. And, and Paul's prayer is a reminder for us that, that our identity and our allegiance is found in no other authority. And there's times when we forget that. We gotta admit, there's times when we forget that because someone says, I can take care of you. Someone comes along and says, I can take care of you. I can fix that. I can fix that for the next four years or eight years if you let me. Maybe longer. That's not faith. That's not who we are. That's not God's call, and that's not to be our, our source of our source of authority, and that's not to be our source of hope. That's not part of this prayer. And so Paul's prayer takes us where, where our prayers have to take us, and that is to submission to Jesus. If He is Lord, if all things are under His feet, then our prayers can't be just about what's going to make us most comfortable, what's going to keep us most happy. Our prayers cannot be just for the emergencies and the tragedies and the temporary pains. Our prayers are a submission to His authority over us as individuals and as a church. Our commitment to pray for the church needs to reflect our commitment to God's call for the church. And when our prayers are only about when our prayers are only about get me out of this situation, get me out of this pain, handle this tragedy as, as tragic as that might be, when, when that's all that our prayers are about, we lose any sense of growth, any sense of growth in our prayers, any sense of moving closer to the image of God and growing in our in our knowledge of him, growing in our hope of him, growing growing in our submission to Him. And we have, we have to stop having, and we stop having a sense that we are growing, that we're becoming more mature, that we're becoming more capable, that we're becoming more capable of, of handling our problems, handling our 
struggles and handling our difficulties because all we know is, well, if we pray, God will fix it. If we pray, God will fix it and we won't have to grow. And so as we close today, I want us to take Paul's prayer for the Ephesians here. And I want us to see it as a prayer that we need to be praying for our church, for our community, for, for ourselves. I want to see it as a reminder that prayer is not just a 911 call to God. It is a conversation. And it is a commitment to move deeper in love with Him, deeper in our knowledge of Him, deeper in our submission to His plan to unite all things under Him. All things in heaven. All things in earth. It's a plan that He wants to begin with His church. Let's stand together. You bow your heads and and pray with me. Father, the first prayer out of our mouth and, and out of our heart ought to be a prayer of thankfulness to You. And so we commit today. We commit we will not quit giving thanks to You. We will not quit giving thanks to You for the way that You are working in and through Kansas Christian Church. Our thankfulness will not simply come from the blessings that You provide, blessings that we can see, blessings that we can count, but we will give thanks as a testimony to our faith that beyond anything we can see or count, we know that You are always with us, that You are always working, and that we have submitted ourselves to You. And knowing that You are always with us, in prayer we commit ourselves to move deeper in our understanding of who You are and who You have called us to be. We refuse to look to our own, uh, to, to our own wisdom, to our own understanding as our hope. And to find our hope in the leading of Your Spirit instead. Open our eyes to that hope, Lord. Open our eyes to Your immeasurable greatness towards us. The way that You love us. The way You use us. The way You call us to Your purpose. And Father, knowing that You hear our prayers, and knowing that You have placed Jesus as the head of Your church and above every other authority, power, or name that is to be named, we submit our lives and the life of our church to You we refuse to look to ourselves. We refuse to look to, to others, to, to any other power as the final word over us. And instead, we submit ourselves to the One who is over us. The One who purchased us by His blood. The One who calls us His body and fills us with His all. This is our prayer. For the life and growth of Your church and for the glory of Your Son, Jesus. And it's in His name we pray. Amen. Go in peace.